following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Sports, but we came here to win the most legit podcast. That's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news. We underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process. Yes, you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you with the best features, best stories. We diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring. We on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk pound. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat because we start this show like right now. Welcome to a special NFL preview edition of the Underdog Podcast. Chris Horwardell on Chicano. We did this last week and it went over pretty well. So uh, we're back here again as uh, as the stars lined up to allow us to do the show, Anju. Yes. I, I enjoy these <laughs> random Friday afternoon shows. Um, we did record on Tuesday, but yeah. audio difficulties prevented us from uh, being able to share it with you guys. So apologies for that. Yeah, unfortunately, Anshu had a case of robot voice. <laughs> yes, and I've come out of it. Like, um, <laughs> Doing much better. Machine and blood and flesh, yeah. Mich- yes, yes. <laughs> uh, let's, moving right along. Thursday night game last week, <laughs> Oakland Raiders, Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs, once the, the best-looking team in football, of, uh, the wheels have kind of come off these last couple of weeks. Raiders come back when late. Uh, Interesting ending, to say the least. What did you take away from this Thursday night game? Um, yes, interesting ending is a way one way to think of it. I I mean, that was a very bizarre finish. I just loved it for the <laughs> Romo-ness. I know we've talked about him a bunch now, but um, it was just great to get his his opinions and his um, – I know he's not for everyone. I kind of get it now. Like, he's, he's so overly enthusiastic, but that finish was perfect for him, kind of in, like, a Gus Johnson sort of way. Um, but my takeaway was Amari Cooper is very much back. I mean, yeah. they feasted with Amari Cooper, and, um, you know, they, they Marcus Peters mostly shadowing Michael Crabtree, and Amari was generally drawing double teams. Even then, over 200 yards, more than doubled – his production from the whole season and Derek Carr looked very much back as well. This is a Raiders team that obviously was looking well on its way to being the Patriots top threat last year. Mm-hmm. This year um, they were on the brink of going what it would have been two and five had they lost last night, not gotten that last second touchdown. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I mean, they look like they're sort of reclaiming some of that swag that they had last year. Uh, Marshawn Lynch leaves the game. They have Navarro Bowman coming back. So now I think that there's a lot of interesting pieces on this team. They sort of remind me of, like, you know, the Seahawks a little bit in terms of they, they just have so much swagger, and, uh, and I like that, not defensively, but in no. general. Yeah, we actually didn't get a chance. I don't believe we got a chance to talk about the Navarro Bowman signing for with the Oakland Raiders this past week. That all, whole thing happened really quick. Uh, he's, a, he's a 49er, and then he's not. One year, two point three million dollar with uh, deal with the Raiders. What did you think? Do you think that's a good fit for Bowman? Yeah, I, he, that's not the team that came to mind right away, but it makes sense. Uh, the Raiders struggle at defending tight ends. Bowman, if nothing else, is always there, and in terms of 
when he's on the field, obviously, like in coverage, he's generally in the vicinity. Uh, still has that knack. We talked about his tackling production last week. Mm-hmm. Obviously, has that. Um, I like I like Bowman a lot, and I think that you know if you're thinking about the teams that Bowman needs to go to, or at least consider going to, uh, you're thinking contenders, and the Raiders certainly fall in that mm-hmm. in that group. Um, so I think that it makes a lot of sense, and and he can also help them with a pretty young defense. Um, in a lot of ways, I think that there's, I mean, they've definitely drafted some younger players. I think Carl Joseph can use some of what he sees out of Bowman to sure. his advantage. Um, and I know they don't play the exact same position, but some of that instinct, instinctiveness, I think, is, is trainable and learnable. So um, I think that that's, that's, it's a good fit. It's not the first two or three teams I would have come to my mind, but it's a good fit. Yeah, what this this was a really really interesting game for you know a lot of reasons. So I think the big story from last night, aside from the crazy ending, is the Marshawn thing. What did you take away oh. from the Marshawn? A little that ordeal. was so bizarre. Yes, that's in t- yes. In today's NFL um, and in society in general, everything's immediately people go to social media and stipulate and and have ideas and whatever, and then. It, it looked it there was there were reports that he had left the you know he had changed and left the building altogether mm-hmm. and that's generally grounds for a suspension um and mm-hmm. instead it was found out that he was literally in the crowd in yeah clothes, and then they show yeah um they show clips of him on the bart after the game right yes that's uh that was, that's pretty crazy him and marcus peters right right which is even weirder but yep um <laughs> I mean, Marshawn is just such a unique character. I, I wish he was playing better, frankly. Like, he's just not been that good this year, um, especially after that first game. But he's he just brings that sort of sense of, I don't know, like uh, like I say, I keep saying swag because he really has it. And I think that that's a team that, that needed that. Yeah. Um, and especially offensively. Like, I mean, they've got their identity, but I think they were carving out sort of the cockiness and, and he's bringing that a little bit to them but he's also just a good dude it seems like like an mm-hmm. interesting guy I mean remains to be seen what you know how it goes and and how he plays for them down the line but you know they they wrote him like like he was 27 years old and he's what how old is he 34 I don't know I don't think he's that old I think he's 31 or 32 Marshawn's younger than we think he's I thought he's the same Mar- age Marshawn's 31 Marshawn's 31 years old Oh wow! Okay, so he went. Okay, um, still old for a running back. That's Obviously, true. he took the year off, which helps. Um, but uh, you know, I, I would be using him in much more of a change of pace role with mm-hmm. Richard and um, in Washington. And right now, they've they've really really. I mean, Del Rio is kind of that throwback coach where he wants to, not in terms of like pass run ratio, but more just he clearly wants to have the you know the. Bell Cow running back, mm-hmm. as he tried to do with Lynch. He tried to do with Latavius Murray last year as well. Um, and sometimes you just got to, like, that's one of the trends in the NFL that I think has worked really well, um, just having having fresh legs and different kinds of looks to give other teams. And it just seems like, you know, like the, the Raiders haven't done a whole lot of that. And I'm not I'm putting on Del Rio. I know he's a defensive coach. But, you know, the idea is generally similar to John Fox. Like, he wants the Bell Cow. Yeah. Mar- I don't know. That whole – whole Marshawn thing to the Raiders. It just made so much sense. That community, mm-hmm. they and you know, I'm right here in the midst of that. 
that commun- yeah, yeah. this that community rallies around him like Philadelphia does Joel Embiid. Marshawn yeah. is everything uh, to Oakland in terms of sports, and you know that's so it, unique. It's just weird, quirky stuff too, because mm-hmm. you know you mentioned like he rode the Bart on the way home. And for people, we're assuming some regional bias here. The BART is uh, the the train system in California. Mm-hmm. So he's just taking the train home with fans. Uh, and go, going into preseason games, he had this thing where he led a he led a like parade bike ride to the stadium for preseason games. <laughs> like anybody, he made it very clear. Like this is when we're riding the bike, and anybody who wants to come with us can go. And you know, you had five hundred, a thousand people. In this little Marshawn riding his bike caravan to uh, to the stadium, it's crazy. And both he, how much he loves Oakland, and how much Oakland loves him. I just, you're right. I wish he was playing a little bit better. Yeah, and I mean, I always wondered what it would be like if he got to go to a team again, like Seattle, where he was just completely motivated and in the right place culturally for him, and all that. And it just seemed like Oakland was such a great fit. He got the year off, so mm. he could freshen up his legs. And um, and it's just not really working out. And maybe some of that is like he's saving a little bit up, you know, mm-hmm. um, for down the line. But when the games really matter, although this one was really important for them. Uh, and I just, I, you know, I, I wonder if he's got anything left. I, I kind of don't think so. Not much, at least. Yeah. Um, especially behind a pretty good offensive line, right? And, and an offense that's going to be pass first. So it should be opening up lanes for him. Um but either way, I think the community thing's important, and it'll give him a longer leash there than he otherwise would have gotten. And and just circling all the way back, like I think that it's I'm glad that he he did stay there because he's one of those guys that like I I pre, I, I don't know many people who dislike Marshawn Lynch. It's impossible. Like, it's I so, mean, yeah, it's so funny how his career has turned though. Yeah, no, it's impossible to dislike Marshawn Lynch. I mean, you can you maybe you don't respect him or maybe. You just, that's not your kind of human being because I could see where Marshawn isn't for everyone, but, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, you're, you're right. He is so universally loved. It's, cr- it's crazy. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he's having the worst season of his career. He's having kind of a LeGarrette Blunt type season in New England without all of the touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If he had 18 touchdowns, it'd be a different story, 15 or whatever Blunt end up with, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think he'll he'll still get his a little bit down the line. But if I'm Del Rio, I think it's a win-win to just have him there but not ride him hard. And then you can always say, like, uh, you know, we're saving him for the playoffs. And then, you mm-hmm. know, if Richard or, or Washington really breaks out, then you can say, well, we had no choice. You know what I mean? And as right. long as Lynch is happy with it, which that is a question. I mean, you don't want to piss him off either. So, uh, I mean – We'll see. I think that right now, the way they're trending, it's looking really like a good thing. But there's, it has the chance to maybe not blow up in their face, but it might be a situation where they they lean on him too much, and then it costs them a win here or there. Yeah. Originally, I thought like, okay, this makes perfect sense that Marshawn's going to come back to the Raiders. The Raiders are probably going to be mm-hmm. in in Oakland for two more years. That'll let Marshawn play two more years, and then it's off to the mm-hmm. sunset forever. Uh, but now we're seeing maybe Marshawn's definitely not the Marshawn of old, and the Raiders might be in Oakland for as many as four years from what we're hearing now. No way Marshawn has four years left in him. What do you think? Does he have another year after this year? Oh, 
maybe one more. I think that's a great point, though. I completely forgot about the aspect of Oakland, the mm-hmm. Oakland aspect, like the fact that he was kind of there to help bridge the gap, and um, and you know, as sort of a, a cap tip to the community that he, you know, he grew up in or around, helped cultivate his career. Um, boy, that that's a really good point. I did not think about that at all. I, there's no way he's there till they move, unless. Things move much quick, more quickly. To your point, but you know, I, I think and Max one more year, but I really doubt it. I really doubt it. I do think it's going to be up to him, though. I don't. I don't think there's a scenario where if Marshawn wants to play another year, the Raiders aren't accepting of that, and they sort of have to be. Yeah. Because, you know, they want people to show up to these games. Yeah, I don't think they'll have any problem with that. I mean, they're oh, a really no. fun team. They're a really fun team. I get it. I, I mean, I don't know the community that well. Obviously, you're closer to it physically, and so I, I, um, I'll defer to you on that, I guess. But I think that they, they, they. I mean, from a neutral perspective, they're as interesting an offense for sure, and they've got all the young stars, and you know, they're they're they've got all the things you would want in a football team. Honestly, mm-hmm. Derek Carr is is eminently likable, I think, and uh, and just really good. And, you know, they've got the young receiver. They've got the young star defensive player. And, you know, they, and they're all kind of like good guys, it seems like. Yeah, kind of bo- kind of boring people. Yeah, maybe. Not Crabtree as much, but he well, really... Well, no, but, I mean, yeah. of the, the superstars, like, you never hear anything from Derek Carr. You never hear anything from Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. But it's tough to think of a team that has three bigger... Stars, oh, like know, young absolutely. stars, in in one city. So and that's the beauty. That's, true, of, that's the beauty of this Marshawn thing is that he gets to he gets to be that guy who is in the in the spotlight. He's the dancing monkey, as it were. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way at all. It's just that's that's kind of his personality. He wants the attention all the time. He loves the attention. Like I was at the uh, I was at the Cal Washington game last year. Marshawn just randomly shows up and he's hanging out on the Cal sidelines, driving the cart around, and the crowd's going nuts. That's so great. Oh, the cart moment is just such an all timer. And this is why I think we need to be careful about being quick to judge players for things they do. Because, like, at the time, I'm not sure everyone loved that. I think that, like, in this draft community where everything is analyzed and overanalyzed, you know, people overreacted to that, I'm sure. I'm sure I did. I mean, I was. You know, I was in college at the time, but I'm sure I didn't love it. But, you know, in retrospect, that was just Marshawn being Marshawn. And it was all, you know, it's all like in good taste and, you know, not meaning to be disrespectful of anyone or anything. And so, you know, I, I love that. I think that it's a, it's a great commentary on like, don't judge a book by its cover mm-hmm. right away, because he is just like a really fun loving, funny dude, I think. Right, but that's the difficulty is that we need those t- next 10 years for the context to right. know that, okay, this is just this is just harmless fun. Yep, exactly. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, we need to remember that we need the context. Yeah. Right? Well, that, I think I, that's so tough. That's cause, but you don't want to use it. You don't want to use that as an excuse either. You don't want to say, oh, he, you know, Josh Rosen's got this hot tub in his in his dorm and you know that's just josh being josh right it could be that's the same thing with gronk too like the you know like i think that some of the stuff gronk does you know like the 69 jokes and all that like Mm -hmm. had that been the case at you know 
in college, it would have been a little bit different. Like, I think it, it might be misconstrued when in reality he's just like uh, just a playful, you know, whatever, like a silly bro, basically, right? And no, nothing that would interfere with his excellence on the field. So, but you're right. Like, I mean, it's hard to say because you you do only have that context. You mm. can't. It can't just be like an excuse. It has to be. You just have to take it for what it is. We only have X amount of information. We have to do the best we can with it. We have to give us ourselves the best chance of drafting the best player and you know let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, and you're right. And Gronk is a very good example of that too. Gronkowski is Gronkowski is an, a totally harmless frat boy. Yep, exactly. It seems that way at least. Did you did you see him show up on Shark Tank? No, I didn't. I mean, I know that he was on it. I didn't so, watch it. So I guess for the, the second episode of the season this year, second or third, uh, must have been third because it was Alex Rodriguez, um, his brother, his, he's got five brothers, and the, the youngest and smallest of them is a gentleman by the name of Chris, Gronk, uh, Chris Gronkowski. And yeah. he had a product that was like a, it was like an ice shaker. It was like a, um, it was a, like a protein shake, little bottle kind of thing. But it was okay. like it was just like your better mousetrap kind of deal, where it's like, oh, it'll you know, ice will stay, ice will stay in it for up to like thirty hours in seventy-five degree weather, and it doesn't, it's kitchen grade steel right. and blah blah blah. But you know, it he comes out by himself, and then all of a sudden, doors open, and the the other four Gronkowski boys come charging out, like dancing around, and that's just who they are. <laughs> like there's there's nothing wrong with it. That's just who these people are, and. It's right. it's so difficult to separate what is harmful and what is harmless in those situations. Right, right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, on one hand, you have Matt Leinard in the hot tub. The other, you got Rosen and maybe Gronk. And you've got Gronk as almost already a surefire Hall of Famer, and you've got Leinard as one of the all-time buffs. Yeah. And it's just like you can't just extract that one data point. It's like all the data points, you know? And, and so, like, things like that like with the shark tank or whatever we we laugh at that right now and we like appreciate it as as just another thing that an excellent player does but you know um or is doing but for another player it might be like oh of course that liner's on shark tank what a failure you know what i mean well i think jeremy bloom was on shark tank at one point and i think everyone would argue that he probably is a a failure yeah right do you um (laughs) How concerned are you about Sam Darnold being the next in this Matt Leinart, uh, you know, Mark Sanchez, Matt Barkley line of USC quarterbacks? I'm not concerned. I think that all three of those guys you just mentioned have different issues. Sanchez leaves after one year, which is like the death now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Leinart left-handed. I think that was always going to be his issue. Okay. Left-handed quarterbacks just don't do it that aren't like super athletic typically. And then um, Matt Barkley, too short. I mean, just too short. He just couldn't see over the line. Like, that's always been Barkley's knock. Um, I think that Darnold is more in the Carson Palmer mold. And mold. And I think that, again, he's, you know, those talks have surfaced that he might go back. I, I yeah, would be surprised no. if he did. But if he did, you know, now you're really talking about it in that kind of that Carson Palmer light. For the record, Matt Barkley and Sam Darnold are the same height. Ooh, are they really? Starnold's listed at 6'3", but we all know college uh, college measurements are overblown by an inch or two, and Barkley came out at 6'2 at the combine. 
I thought Farther six one or six foot. Um, ooh. Well, that's not a good sign for Darnold. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess if they're the same height, then that same and six two is like ideal. Six yeah, two six is, two's fine. Six two's fine. Six one's a little short. Six foot is too short for a quarterback. Well, tell so, us the Drew Brees. Unless you're, yeah, unless you're one of the two or three just complete yeah. aberrations. But um, you know, I, I mean, if you're going to use the the general consensus, I think that you would say that six two six three is good enough. So assuming that he is, he looks like a big kid. I never thought that he was. I always felt like Barkley was small. He looked small to me. And Darnold's never given me that impression. What is that? What do you think? I've never seen him as a particularly big quarterback, which is it's, it's funny for us to have such differing opinions on that. Yeah, I I always thought him. he was a little bit small. Okay. Darnold. Darnold. To be clear. Okay. All right. I I don't see that. I think that I think that he he looks the part to me. But um, if he is Barkley's size, that that is a major red flag. I think because well, I didn't think that. I think J.D. Booty is that same size as well. Who's that? John David. Booty. Oh, yeah, that's not great. John, here's you want to hear something crazy? John David Booty. Good old J.D. Booty. 32 years old. J.D. B. Oh, man. I like J.D.B. there. He was fun. I thought okay. he was kind of good. How did that? Well, I'm yeah, but you saw him at the combine. Like he looks like yeah. he is—he had never worked out in his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Like that he had—he had a gut. Well, yeah, but I mean, come on. I—I I know I'm pointing to Drew Brees as the anomaly, but we all know Brady is the anomaly of anomalies when it comes to the NFL draft. Well, Roma. But yeah, oh. no, I, I, well, I would argue that yeah, Brady had a better career than Romo did. There's uh, always going to yeah, there's agree. always going to be undrafted free agents. Like there's always going to be the Terrell Davis of the world. But to get right. the, be- the best be quarterback it. of all time with 199th pick in the draft is not something you can count on. <laughs> right, agreed. Or like that. I mean, those guys are the yeah, they're the exception, not the rule. So you don't want to be caught in that. Ex- I mean, if you are, that's great. If you get the exception, but. Generally, you want to draft the rule, which is why six-foot quarterbacks don't go in the first round ever. Right. It's like when people make the argument that, oh, this guy ran a four-five-five, four-six, but so did Jerry Rice. Like, please, right. please do not compare people to the best wide receiver of all time. Yeah, it's, I love that. I mean, I think it's so stupid when people use that. And, I mean, it's great if the player themselves use it because you need to be motivated to do that yourself. But, like, for us as analysts or, or – you know, onlookers of the draft, I, I don't think you can use that and, like, hope to be close no. to right because you're putting yourself in a bad position. It's also a fallacy. It's, it's on par with the Michael Jordan was cut from his varsity team nonsense. Jerry Rice ran poorly because he hurt his ankle a week before that. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's well understood now that, you like, there's a low threshold, a low bar at the 40 that if you're lower than that, it's not going to go well for you. Like, yeah. Bolden ran really slow too, didn't he? So did Jarvis Landry. Like, there's going to be yeah. exceptions, but there's going to there, be a few exceptions. But they have to be a very specific type of exception because Bolden and, and Landry are very similar. Yep. Yeah, they are physical, like great hands. There's no way to judge great hands like that. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, Freddie Mitchell, baby. I mean. Freddie Mitchell. <laughs> Fred X. 
I'll always oh hate him. Uh, responsible for two of the greatest plays in Eagles history, which is amazing for one of the bigger busts in Eagles history. Oh, God, he's the worst. When you uh, when you think draft busts, and especially in your you know your recent lifetime draft bust, who's a, who's comes to mind for the Packers? Oh man, Justin Harrell, no. first round pick, mid first round pick, Jamal Reynolds, number nine. Oh, I Florida forgot about State. that one. I forgot about that, that one. Was, yeah, that was a real bad one. Although that draft is terrible. He got drafted between, like, Corin Robinson and uh, somebody else. Corin Robinson eventually became a Packer. Um, Batman Carroll? Ahmad Batman Carroll? Oh! Was, uh, was that Arkansas? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yep. Um, man, that was terrible. But they were mostly... They weren't mostly uh, Ted Thompson picks. They're generally in the <laughs> Mike Sherman slash late run uh, Holmgren era. So. We, had, we had a stretch where we just couldn't pick in the first round. Going through like a Cleveland Browns-esque run of just booting cool. every single first round pick. You know, the uh, the John Harris over Ray Lewis is a pick that really <laughs> changed the franchise. Um, when, I mean, Ray Lewis went like 26, so a lot of people pass on him, but we, we, we yeah. were one of the teams to immediately pass on him. Right. Uh, you like know, Dan- thing. Danny Watkins at at 15 is uh, one of the, the I know killers. I Oh, yeah. Well, well, I mean, what's to like about drafting a 26-year-old Canadian firefighter to play offensive guard with the 15th pick in the draft? <laughs> well, look, the, the worst is when you don't like it to start with, and then you compound it with the fact that they suck, right? Uh-huh. Okay, that makes it so much worse. Well, yeah, but you can be all high and mighty at least. You can you'd be like, oh, I knew he was going to be terrible. Why did they not know? I, I mean, honestly, I wish... I, I'd rather have someone become good that I thought would suck oh, yeah. than, um, you know, I, I mean, sorry, the other way around. I, I like, there weren't many guys, I'll be, I'll be honest, like, there are very few drafts where I will like someone and they won't turn out to be good, but I generally hate everybody in the backers draft. Because, uh-huh. you know, you're so set, you're so locked in on, like, two or three guys. Oh, yeah. And then you let yourself dream, and then, like, you get to that night before, and then that day comes and someone's there when you weren't expecting you're like oh man this is going to be the best and then they turn around and draft someone you didn't want in the first place right so you just have to like train yourself over time to just expect the worst and hope to land somewhere in the lower middle so that's generally <laughs> what happens yeah i mean that that danny watkins draft if i remember correctly i we traded up and i thought that trade up was for the guy who was my favorite player in college football in maybe 10 years to watch play and that would be Oregon State running back Steven Jackson. Oh, I, wow. I thought we were going up to get Jackson. And just like... You would have you know, been there with their actual pick. Just like, yeah. Just like years later, you know, we traded up. And this is working out now, and that's great. But uh, we traded up again. I think it was the fifth, number 15 spot. And I think, all right, there's this, this impact safety of Texas named Earl Watson. I think we're going to get Watson. Earl Thomas. Thank you. Earl Watson is, of course, an NBA head coach and former yeah. point guard. <laughs> point which, guard. <laughs> I, which wouldn't have been a worse pick than Danny Watkins, ironically. But, yes, I, going up to get Earl Thomas. And, uh, you know, we take Brandon Graham. He sort of lingers in mediocrity for a couple of years. And now it's he's figured everything out, so it's all working out now. I but. loved him. I loved him in Michigan. Led the country in tackles for loss. I remember that. That was the big stat. He, like, blew everyone away. Yeah, I just – I wanted Earl Thomas so badly. I mean – I don't think you could have gone wrong there in retrospect, but obviously Earl Thomas. 
well, better, you get a, but... Yeah, with Thomas, you get a better player for longer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And safety's been such a little uh, bugaboo for this, this team for so long. Finally started to solidify it with Malcolm Jenkins. And I do, you know, I know you hated this guy, but I honestly think that our next impact player in the secondary is going to be, once Malcolm Jenkins retires, I think Rasul Douglas is going to be an absolute stud free safety. <laughs> I didn't hate him. I you just, you bashed him so nonstop. I, I will go back and read the texts right now. Go ahead. Feel free. He is just so... He's so slow, wasn't he? It, it, yeah, 4.59. 4.59 at West Virginia. I think he's going to be a monster free safety, though. Yeah, and, that's, that's a good move because teams are trying him out at corner. Well, um, and he's and playing corner for us, yeah. He played there. Oh, he is right now. Okay, gotcha. Well, because yeah, we, because um, we have nobody else. Yeah, it's not great back there for you guys, but you're, what, 4-1, and one, so. 5-1. Five 5-1. And one. Five and one. Yeah, five and yeah. And we got Ron right. Darby's back practicing this week. Sidney Jones is going to play before the end of the season. Uh, now there's a guy I love. Yeah, let's hope he's let's hope he's still the same player. Yeah, Achilles, right? Achilles. Yep. 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 I'm amazed he's back. That's a, well, he's that's he's not impressive. back yet, but just the fact that he's even playing or like on practicing. Yeah, that, I, it, that, that is one of the worst injuries. Oh yeah, have you ever seen it in real life? No, God, it's, no. It's it's weird, and, and people know it happens immediately because you you hear a oh, pop. Yeah. Oh man, and, I've seen my my fill of bad injuries in the last week or two. So oh I'm my good God! With, Incredible. Yeah, between the Rogers, obviously, and then you get Jeremy Lin and Gordon Hayward and. Oh man, this this stuff is it's getting pretty ugly out there. When you saw that Jeremy Lin thing, was was your first reaction like when you when you watched the whole clip, man, he overreacted? Because you see Not him. At all. Oh, I did. That was I did because you see him go down. It doesn't look terrible, and then he he walks to the locker room by himself with help, but by himself. And the whole time he was like, you know, he was yelling like, I'm done, I'm done. And he was, you know, crying and all of that. And nothing wrong with that yeah. in that situation. I'm not knocking I mean, him for that. But I, I thought, oh, he overreacted and this is going to be embarrassing. But clearly we see that was not the case. Yeah, I'm not quick to judge on injuries because only you know your own pain. That's and true. Like the Rodgers hit, I didn't think that both of the times he's broken his collarbone. I and like, yeah, it looks, I mean, it looks like it hurts, but it doesn't mm-hmm. look like he's it's going to be like a season ender, you know, and then to, to know what it is, you know, I, I just, you can't judge it because you just never know. Like the non-contact injuries, those don't look like anything. Jordy Nelson crumples up just on a, in a preseason game running a little hitch, you know, or a slant or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. just like, all right, well, that didn't look bad at all. What the hell? Um, but you know that uh, his ACL is well. So only, only the player themselves know. You know, the injury. Sometimes you get the really bad stuff, obviously, like, uh, you know, obviously, like Sean Livingston or one of those Gordon injuries. Courtney or Ida. I mean, yeah, that was terrible. But when Jeremy Lynn's saying, like, the the chilling moment where he hasn't said, he doesn't say anything, and then he comes back, he's like, I'm done, I'm done, like you said, and he starts crying, and you're just like, oh, man, that poor guy, like, he probably is done. Like, only he knows what his body, how his body's going to react to something like that. 
No, I mean, that's entirely fair. But I just, you know, looking at... It, also, I think with those non-contacts that we've been conditioned to the point where you almost immediately think it's ACL. And you, so I see a guy go down non-contact, I just kind of assume his season's over. Yep, totally. I, I mean, the Bridgewater one, yeah. uh, like seeing that little grainy clip from one of the beat writers, you're just like, oh, man, just like a rollout, and uh, it, it just kills you. I hate that. It, it really sucks. But yeah. it's part of the game. I mean, and then a lot of the times you get the moments like these next few weeks when Bridgewater will be back and, you know, have the chance to lead his team to a division title, which are kind of rewarding, although it comes at the expense of some of your favorite teams. But, you know, it's cool to see It's cool to see the comeback story if it's not too late in their career, obviously. So we'll do picks in a little bit, but I want to talk about one more thing. Let's talk about – God, I hate this guy. Let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott and uh, all, all this nonsense that's going on right now. So – Zeke came out and said he doesn't want to make a deal with the NFL. And the NFL basically came out and said, that's good because we have no interest in that either. Uh, nobody, wants to ma- nobody wants to make a deal to lower this number from six to, to whatever. And um, now we've got, this, the, we've got this injunction, the latest injunction with Elliot just uh, – first of all, I don't understand why. He's going to be suspended. Why, why not just get it over with now rather than have it linger into the playoffs? But – whatever uh so the nfl is now petitioning to have this latest uh this latest hearing moved up to monday next week earlier next week because the the current day that it's set he would be able to play the fall he would be able to play the following week so they're trying to get it moved up what what do you think ends up happening here you think the court stays with the previous court rulings and you know finds that the NFL has the right to suspend Elliot or do you think that there's a chance that they're going to side with Elliot here oh god i i do not know the historical precedent of that particular jurisdiction so i can't really be sure i thought that i thought they were going to stay his motion the last time so yeah. when he got suspended when they agreed that it was two out of three right mm-hmm. it's like the the short the small jury um in yeah. the in like the circuit courts or whatever uh and so i i honestly couldn't tell you this is a question for dan bauer probably but i i'm not sure i frankly i just think it's going to go back and forth back and forth between appeals and stays and motions for um you know whatever i think i truly believe that it, it they're not going to be able to come up with a decision this year and wow. I don't think there's going to be a settlement either. I really don't. No. I don't think that, um, like, Zeke is set. Like, the thing with Brady was at least it came before the year. Now that we're in the season, we're in the middle of the season, every game matters for a Cowboys team that's kind of on the brink mm-hmm. of the playoffs. Um, I, I I just can't imagine a scenario where they allow this to happen, where, where Zeke doesn't continuously challenge this in court. And I'm not sure that there's ever a moment – I'm not sure how far it has to go before it's like, all right, that's it. We're done. You have to, you have to accept this penalty, right? Without, without a challenge. So, I'm not. I'm really not sure. And as long as Zeke and the Cowboys are willing to pay the lawyers to defend him, you know, or or continue to legislate this and mm-hmm. keep it in the courts, like I, I just don't see a scenario where he ever has to sit out. Yeah, and the NFL will never, ever, ever settle with this because. He, they're just so pissed off at Elliot. 
Yeah. There, there's it's no the incentive for them. Yeah. 100%. They're so proud. Goodell is so proud, such a proud guy. Like, he, he will not let them lose this, mm-hmm. right? Like, he, he will keep this going until they, until they find a court that, you know, I, I like I said, I don't know the law, the legalese around this, where if there's ever a situation where, you know, they have to accept the penalty, um, Zeke that is. And so, I don't know, but I, I have a feeling both sides are kind of planting their their heels in the ground and, and neither one wants to settle. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And this is one of the big reasons that we're, I, I honestly believe we're in for a lengthy holdout when this next CBA comes up. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. Like, stuff like this. I mean, because Goodell wants to retain the, you know, the autonomy that he currently has. Mm-hmm. And the players know, because it's been publicized widely, that they got absolutely screwed in the last deal. And they know it more and more each each week, even, mm-hmm. that they're getting screwed in this deal. So, you know, I, I have a feeling... It's going to be the same thing. But again, like the owners and, and Goodell hold all the power here. I mean, Goodell, I should say. The owners hold all the power because there are 53 players on each team minimum. And mm-hmm. there's another 30 or 40 that trap for every single team every year. And so for those players, they don't really care about winning. They need to make their paychecks. It's like that 1% right. that or the top 5% that like – that really want the benefits and are willing to lose their game checks for it. And the rest of the league is like, the players are like, just do it. Let's just do this. Screw right. it. We need, we need the money. Yeah. I need to get paid. We got to feed the family this week. Exactly. exactly. You're, and you're also talking about like, I know that sounds weird to the average person. It's like, Oh, this, this NFL players has a hard time. You know, basically they're living paycheck to paycheck like everybody else. And the reality is a lot of them are, and they you know, are. It, and it's because it's largely because they're living far outside of their means while in this position. But right. still, it's they are living paycheck to paycheck to to support their families. And, it, you know, it's easy to criticize those people for saying, oh, you should be more you should be more thrifty and you should be more like LeBron James. when that whole thing came out. Yeah, yeah. but, no, but it, it's not how it is. It's, it's not just paycheck to paycheck. Say they do. You know, they are really wise with their money or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the fact is the average NFL career is, what, three years? Yeah. And that's accounting for the 1% that plays like a decade that carries the rest. It's probably the median career is probably much less. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you think of it that way, they only have two or three years of making, let's say, eight less than a million dollars, right? For yeah. The median player. Yeah. That second contract is where the money is. Yeah. But that's, and that's not a huge percentage of the league. So exactly. like you're, you're trying to extrapolate that money for the rest of your life in many cases or not, maybe not that long, but you know, alongside some, the, again, you, you have given up, you know, your, your career or what your career would otherwise be mm-hmm. like in educationally to play football. So now you're starting over. And you have to ride out that, you know, maybe a million and a half for as long as you can. Um, and like you said, their their style of living has to be adjusted because they're used to living with, you know, high their, their coworkers are all millionaires. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things that, like, if you look at the body of work of what they have to deal with, you know, 
yes, it is a paycheck to paycheck lifestyle, especially once they're done. I mean, there, there's just only so much time. And I know that fans generally don't want to pity these players because it's like, oh, woe is you. You know, you chose to play a game for a living. Yeah. But, you know, we know the, the, you know the effects of this game, and we know the short-lived nature of the game. And, you know, five or six years after they're done, they're really scraping for money. And it's just the reality. Like, look at the financial. Oh, yeah. Just simple common sense. Yeah, no question. And I mean, you have to change everything after the playing career is over. I have, uh, I, I was talking to Jim McElvain on my podcast, and he was talking about like his. He was very candid about the fact that like his first marriage ended because, you know, you go from being this star and you know this NBA player living an NBA player's lifestyle to living a, a very normal lifestyle in like rural Wisconsin, and that's not always what everybody's okay with. Right. Right. It's such a, I mean, it's just such a shock. Uh, anybody that's changed from one type of lifestyle to another, even just like going from college to not college, mm-hmm. think of like how tough of a transition that is generally for people. Yeah. Now imagine that like tenfold when you're 25, 26 and you've got a, what you think is a family and, you know, I, I mean, and you go from living in a city to the suburbs and you go from playing in front of thousands and thousands of people every night and performing in front of them to, you know, a desk job where you're logging into Outlook and, you know, I mean, right. that's that's a huge shock for a lot of people and not everyone, most people, I would even say, can be expected to to struggle with that. Yeah, that that NFL career, once it's done, it's not glamorous. I'm not going to mention names here on the show, but I've got a good friend who played in the NFL for three years and now he is living in a, like a, a probably 1200 square foot house in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Like that's just his life now. Not to mention the, the CTE and the types yeah. of things that happen. These guys are, they're beaten up, man. And, uh, yeah. So anyways, just to circle all the way back again, um, you know, like the NFL PA has every should, I, I mean, it's going to be a tough battle for them because these guys have such high, such low demand just so mm. they can manage a certain kind of lifestyle because they need this money. And so for people, so, you know, we see the high profile people like Zeke and, um, you know, you'd think that they would demand like a different system, you know, where you'd think the players would demand a different set of morals around like the, or rules around like how, how the NFL enforces its, you know, its behavior clauses off the field and the truth is that the players just don't the, the players that comprise the vast vast majority of the nflpa just don't care about that stuff because they just want to get paid and they're oh, yeah. not willing to strike strike for change absolutely Ab- absolutely all right well that's a depressing topic let's get on to this week's nfl <laughs> lineup yeah. let's start with uh first game up on sunday we have the tennessee titans Oh, I don't have home and away here. I want to find something that I want to find home and away. And the lines. Oh, I have the lines. lines. I have lines, but I don't have home away. Okay. Okay. I've just got, it's just for whatever reason, it lists the favorite and the underdog rather than home away. And that's a a very important element of uh, of all of this. Gambling. Well, no, it's just, you know, trying to prove that you know more than your friends. That's what I'm going with. All right, so this is this was updated a little bit too late. This is two days ago, and a couple of these lines have changed a little bit. 
Forbes. Forbes is just never giving us the latest information. Alright, this is... Uh, let's see, is one of them clearly home and one of them clearly away? No? <laughs> Why is this... I know, last week I found this so easily, and now... NFL and, Week 7 line. That's exactly what I googled. Exactly what I googled. No no joke. V- verbatim what I googled. And nobody Yahoo wants... has them. Uh, don't, first of all, Yahoo is not a sponsor of this website. We don't mention their name. All right, here we go. This is going to work. Um, all right. Sunday, October 22nd, the Tennessee Titans minus six points at the Cleveland Browns. Oh, God. I like the Titans. I, I mean, the Browns are just a disaster right now. There's no way you can pick the Browns against any kind of spread, basically, um, especially under a touchdown. I know that means that it'd be like 12 or 13 in Tennessee, and they're not a high-flying offense, but mm-hmm. it's six in Cleveland, so I'll take Mariota and the, and the Titans. Yeah, it's worth pointing out to Jason McCourty, who is pro football focus, is number one NF cornerback in the NFL through, uh, through six weeks. Crazy. Is tweaked his, an- tweaked, tweaked his ankle and may not play this week. Yeah, that would not help. Um, they can use all the help they can get. Even if he does play, like, say he – I don't think he shadows, but, you know, he's guarding Richard Matthews. Well, mm-hmm. Eric Decker's been getting a ton more targets. Still have Derrick Henry, and I think Jamal, I, DeMarco Murray's uh, questionable, questionable, I believe. But, honestly, I'm not sure that he's better than Derrick Henry at this stage of their careers. Obviously, you'd like to have both. But, uh-huh. you know, I would love to see Derrick Henry against that Cleveland Browns defense because I think he might run wild. And I, Mariota looked better and better over the course of that game on Monday night. I think that – He'll be even more healthy this week, and uh, I see them putting up a big number on the Browns. Well, it's actually worth pointing out that uh, the Cleveland Browns defensive line is actually one of the better lines in football against the run. Yeah. Agba is excellent. It's, he's had a weird evolution of basically just a pass rusher to now sort of a run-stuffing specialist. And, well, Oganjobi uh, is, like, incredible, isn't he? Oganjobi, Ogunjobi, yeah. Oganjobi. And uh, as is Charlotte. Dan- Charlotte's finest. As is Danny Shelton, and that doesn't even account for Miles Garrett, who's only you know played like basically one full game. Yeah, wow. So their defensive line is actually very good against the run, and pretty good in general. I'd like to see the, I'd like to see a, a second defensive uh, tackle really step up and claim that that starting position opposite Shelton. But the weakness there is the middle linebacker. Wisconsin's Joe Schobert is not uh, not grading out as the best run stuffer or cover guy. In, in terms of middle linebackers in the National Football League, I'm surprised he's not a better. He doesn't have better uh, run stopping numbers. I know he's not like the biggest dude, but he was always a really sure tackler at Wisconsin. So that surprises me a little bit. Well, so was uh, who was that five nine safety? Uh, Jimmy Leonard. Jimmy Leonard. Or... Yeah, there you go. That's the one I wanted. Good job. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars minus three and a half at the Indianapolis Colts, and questions about whether or not Fournette's going to play. Oh yeah, I, I mean Chris Ivory is just about as good—not as good, but you know he can definitely fill the role of the bell cow back for them. So I think they'll be just fine either way. Um, I, I again just don't trust Bortles, but minus three. I, the Jaguars' defense is so legit, and I, like I said, oh, we didn't take the show, I guess, to record it, but um, mm-hmm. posted. Sorry, Brissett 
I think Brissett's playing better for the Colts for sure. I but this these corners, major major test for them. Probably the best set of corners this side of Denver, if not better than them. So I like Jacksonville. Uh, Oh yeah, people missed us going over our what must have been fascinating discussion about Colin Kaepernick. Yes, and who we would have started. I think the spark notes on that was five to ten teams was my argument. Yeah, I think uh, I think you picked five teams who they definitely he would definitely start for three others who were in that maybe category. Uh, let's go Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh is minus five and a half. I, I, I think that the Steelers are just crazy and consistent. We saw them go on yes. the road. I believe I picked this FYI uh, straight up against the at the Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Bengals off the bye are going to at least cover this game. Five and a half. Common opponents. I think that you know the, the Steelers are a little bit better of a team than the Bengals, and Roethlisberger always plays better at home than he does on the road. It's dark. His splits are. But the Bengals have done good work against Antonio Brown. They're like the only team that can actually guard him historically. So I, I know, I, you know what? I, I like the Bengals to cover this game. I think it's going to be tough, but I like them to cover. All right, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens at the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings getting five and a half points. Tough one. Um, still going to be Case Keenum. Not, I'm guessing Diggs doesn't play. I thought the Packers were going to were on pace to just blow them out of the water last week before the injury they unfortunate mm-hmm. injury let's leave it at that but um you know I, I i i and the ravens losing to the bears at home geez what the heck was yeah. that um but i uh you know five and a half is a little too many I, I think this is one of those like everyone thinks the ravens are just terrible and they might be but i don't think the vikings are all that good either so i don't like the vikings laying five and a half to almost anyone especially not a good proud defense like Baltimore has, so I'll take the Ravens plus five and a half. The New York Football Jets versus uh, the, at the Miami Dolphins minus three, and this is also the lowest over under of the week at just thirty eight points. Oh God, just just tell me what happens in this because <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. Um, Dolphins came off the mat with one of the most surprising games of last weekend against the Falcons in Atlanta. Like, yeah, where the hell did that come from? Eleven point spread. Um, I think that these guys, these teams are about equal. The Jets seem much more proud, so I'll take the three. <laughs> I'll, I'll say they have three. I mean, them getting three is, is a good line, but, uh, you know, it's going to be right around that number. I, I don't think either team blows out the other, so I'll take the Jets. All right, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Buffalo Bills has no line because of the uh, questions about whether or not Jameis Winston is going to play. Yeah, and I think that I like the Bills a lot in this either way. I think that Jameis, man, Jameis is looking, boy, like he's got to come back and the Bills are off the bye and Jameis hasn't looked all that great. Um, I, I, You know what? I I like the Bills in this. I think that the Bills are kind of hovering around the playoff periphery, it looks like. And I I kind of, yeah, it's, it's, the East is just, just, someone, we need to go back and listen to that preview because, it needs to be lit on fire and then never played again. <laughs> that was that was like we thought it was such a like a just a terrible division, foregone conclusion. It turned out to be one of the more interesting divisions in, in football. Um, but I like uh, I, I like Buffalo in the, to that end. Oh, we got the Carolina Panthers minus three at Chicago. 
and no Luke Keekley. So no Luke Keekley. I expect I expect this one to go down to a two and a half or two. I do like the uh, I do like the Panthers still though because I just look the Bears they're a little spry right now, huh? Mm-hmm. Trubisky goes on the road, beats Baltimore. Um, just one of the most shocking games of the season to me. Um, but I think that I you know I still think the Panthers are just so much better. Uh, they get ten days off after your Eagles beat them on Thursday. Um, I, I just I don't think the Bears can score with the with the Panthers. Yeah, I mean he beats the Ravens while throwing for 113 yards. Right. I, I shouldn't say he did it. Um, I should say you know the Bears defense and other hey. and Jordan Jordan Howard with 36 carries I believe. That's crazy. But hey, when you factor in his rushing yards, I mean at that point Trubisky did account for 145 total yards. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I, I mean, I'll tell you. Around these parts, they love him. Um, I'm not there it. yet at all. I, I don't get it. I, I mean, he could be good, but there's some irrational appreciation of whatever he's doing. Um, I think it's more like they just haven't had a good young quarterback here since early Cutler. And, and I'm he's not likable. Sure that was really good. Yeah, he is. He is a likable guy. Um, I, I kind of think that he's got a lot of Sanchez-ish. It characteristics, which is interesting because they have Sanchez on the roster. Just like he had one year in college, sure. and you know he's talented. You can tell he's talented, but he's on a staff that I don't think is going to harness a lot of that talent. At least not right now. I'd love to see him with like a true. You know, I don't like Dal Loggins all that much. Mm-hmm. Their offensive coordinator, Cutler swears by him, but I, I'm just not there. And I just they don't have the weapons right now. Their offensive line's okay though. And so it should create time for him. I, I don't see it with him really yet. I, I I mean I I don't know. Like I think there are times you see a player and you're like, wow, he's he's just kind of got it. You know, mm. like I've always thought that about Wentz. I think that I've I've just like always thought he was going to be a good player, even though the you know the level of competition wasn't always there. I was just so impressed. But you know I I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that he's got it. I don't know if you've seen it much of them, but it's. I'm, I'm not. I'm not all blown away by him right now. No, I think. I think that's just he's a high draft pick, so he represents hope. He's very like he's very happy and positive, and you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't get the impression there's a lot of depth to Mitchell Trubisky. <gasps> yeah. But uh, yeah. but but he seems like he's a likable guy, and uh, it, it's I, very I easy to uh, sort of rally around that with where that organization is right now. For sure. I, I mean, it's an upgrade over the staleness of Cutler for well, so many years. Free agent acquisition, Mike Glennon. <laughs> yeah, and that. But you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not blown away. I'll just leave it at that. All right, not blown away. The New Orleans Saints minus four favored against those Green Bay Packers playing in Green Bay. Oh, is it four? Four. It was six. It was six like two days ago. Um, mm. Four is closer to what I would have expected. Um, I'm honestly going to take the Saints. I, I really think Brett Homley is going to play well for them. I think that he's going to be a. I, I think he's going to be more than adequate uh, to fill the gap between now and when Rodgers comes back, which I think will happen. Um, and but you know, I, this is going to be a tough one. I, I don't think David Bakhtiari is going to play. It does look like Brian Delago will play, which is super critical for them. Um, but his blind side is going to have issues. And mm. more importantly, I just, like, we're talking about Hundley nonstop this week, but 
like Drew Brees against the Packers defense. That like Huntley's gonna yeah. have to score thirty one, thirty four points. And so I, I just like yeah, if it's Rodgers he can win that shootout. I don't think you can realistically expect Hundley to do that. So I think that the Saints cover the four. I think six is a lot though. What do you think of uh the anomaly that is Aaron Jones. Is that kind of just like a, a one week thing or does he have a chance to be a decent back? No, I, I really like Aaron Jones. I thought he was like my favorite pick of theirs um, in the draft. So I, I think that he's got a lot of escapability. He tested through the roof. He looks more like a true running back than Ty Montgomery. And well, yeah. you know, that's not always a good thing. That's not always a good thing. Well, what Ty, Ty has built up a ton of muscle and he, he looks like he could be, running back now but he still doesn't you know he doesn't have the he doesn't have the kind of like explosion through the hole that you would mm-hmm. like and I, I think that aaron jones is much more decisive puts his foot in the ground and goes i'd be interested to see your what your takes are of watching him a little Hon- bit more um, honestly yeah i need to watch him a little bit more before i have any real feeling i i mean i saw highlights from the big game a couple of weeks ago and i know he struggled last week but i haven't paid enough attention at this point I, I mean, honestly, I didn't think he struggled. They just didn't give him the ball enough. And I, I think part of this is on McCarthy. Like, you got to use your guys in the right set. And I think so much of a running back's production is generally, you know, getting into a rhythm with their offensive line, right? And and when you don't get that opportunity, it can be tough for certain players to get going. And so yeah, I, I, I truly believe that, I, especially for someone who's accustomed to carrying the ball a lot more. So. I, I I think that he's going to be a good player. The key for Jones seems to be he needs to get like 15 carries, because he yeah. he has he's got two games at 13 carries, and he's in the 40 yard range for both of them, and the threes per yards per carry uh, yards per carry. Mm. But give him that. Obviously, he had that one game where he's got almost 20 touches. Well, 20 receptions. He did have 20 touches, and he's at 125. So. Yeah, this, I've always thought this too. I don't like this running back by committee nonsense. Running backs need to get into a rhythm, and really, I, I, I just jump bringing them in, bringing them out, never letting backs get into a rhythm. I just, I've never liked it. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I think I said it earlier. I, I like the idea of having a lead back, but I love the idea of having a change of pace guy because I think there are just you have to be ready to pivot quickly potentially like if if you're against a team that's got a really strong nose tackle and you've got Latavius Murray for example well you know Latavius Murray's not gonna be great outside the tackles generally speaking so let's use Jarek McKinnon in this situation because we know that he can do that or like you know I mean you have an over aggressive front so you want somebody that can put his foot in the ground and then cut and go Mm. and take advantage of that aggression um and and there are different guys that can do that better right like so I, I think that I just think that you've got to be prepared for different sorts of scenarios. And a lot of that falls on the coach. And I think that it's good to have of the personnel where you don't have that same look over and over again, that you have, you know, the righty and then the lefty, for example. That's fine. And I have no problem with that, but like, I do want a clear cut feature back. I want, this is my guy. This is, this is the guy who's going to get the bulk of the carries. And then we have this other player to compliment him. I don't like split carries. I don't like, especially between three running backs. I just, I don't care for it. Yeah, no, I understand that. I, I get it. I, I don't like like a bunch, but 
I think having two is is nice. Like Two's fine. you could get a hammer and a you know a guy that can break it outside. That's ideal. But I have you know I have to watch like look at Bunt. The 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 one game that we really struggled this season was the game where Legarrette Blunt did not get a single carry, and mm-hmm. that that did not make sense to me whatsoever. It's, but you have Blunt. You, I mean, you lost Sproles, so that would have been the natural one too. But now you have Smallwood, and you have uh, Kenyon Barner Love getting it. carries, and Corey Clement gets carries. Like four running backs getting carries is too many. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I don't get really what – and I think that those guys are sort of similar. Like, I know Blunt is the, the unique one, and I love Sproul. A Sproul's type to me is absolutely yeah. ideal if you can get a guy like that. Um, but if – if I don't, like, necessarily need, like, three Clement, Clements, you know? No. Like, I mean – Why? You just don't. There's just a waste of roster space. Yeah, yeah and can I tell you who's not Darren Sproul's? Danell Pumphrey. Uh, yeah. Unlike what a lot of people would want. Took a shot. He stinks. Let's move on. Let's not... That's yeah. That goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Don't draft anomalies. Yeah. Like, you, you have to be so special to be, to, you know, Mojo or Darren Sproles or somebody like that. Because they, they just don't come along. Don't draft a guy thinking he's going to be that next guy. That's a player you just find by accident. Yeah. Yep, I agree. You can't replicate it, so don't try. All right, so last game of the 1 o'clock docket is the Arizona Cardinals at the Rams, minus 3.5. This is an interesting game all of a sudden. Yeah, agreed. Well, what was the line? 3.5. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I'm not, I'm not here to Only make predictions. I'm, this is your <laughs> this is your area, my friend. You're the degenerative gambler. Oh my god. I have no idea on this one. I'm sorry. Take a take a guess. If you have to Alright, here's the scenario, Anshikana. Guns to your head. You have to wager every penny in your bank account right now. And you have to pick Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams, Rams giving three and a half points. Oh, this is so tough. It's in London, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Adrian Peterson is now playing in his second London game of the year. Oh, man. Uh, and it doesn't – I Andre Ellington, I believe, is questionable. Um, nah. Boy, I – and Patrick Peterson's not 100% either. I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I think that um, – I like the way they're playing right now. I think Peterson gives them a little juice that they didn't have. And uh, I, I like them. I think that they, I think that they can cover the three and a half if nothing else. But the Rams, the Rams are looking very playoffy right now to mm. me, and kind of like a dangerous playoff team because they haven't even used Sammy Watkins at all, you know. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that once he emerges, which I think is bound to happen, um, at least as a weapon at some point. I don't think this is the week, even if Peterson's not a hundred percent. I like I like the Cardinals to cover. I think I, I this is a really tough call though. Rams are playing great, and no one in Los Angeles cares even a little bit. Right, <laughs> that's true. It's yeah, and so I guess they don't really have a home field advantage. Oh no, absolutely not. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you saw the thing with Chandler Parsons this week. Chandler Parsons is getting booed at home pretty badly in Memphis, and wow. he basically he basically said, "I'm going to treat every game like a road game," and that's what the Rams have to do as well. Yeah. Oh man. That's a good 
that's a good strategy. Uh, yeah. It's it's just sad that we we have these interesting. All right, well, that's gonna be a that's gonna be all we have time for this show. So for uh, the special edition of the uh, Underdog Podcast, Week Seven NFL Preview Edition, I'm Chris Wardell. He's Anshu Kana, and uh, we'll see you next week. Welcome back to the Underdog Podcast. This is unexpected. This was not the plan when we uh, did our recording earlier today with myself and Achukana, but I got a text about uh, about an hour ago. It's uh, it's pretty late. It's actually after midnight on the East Coast and nine o'clock here on uh, on the West Coast. I got a text from uh, one Daniel Bauer who said, "Hey, noticed there wasn't a podcast. Do you want to tape something?" And look, I want to give the man an opportunity because we're embattled in this Anshu versus Dan matchup. Who am I to say only Anshu gets a voice? So here he is, Dan Power. Dan, thanks for coming on to the second half of the show. Absolutely. Thanks for letting me get back into this competition. Uh, you know, I dedicate this recording to uh, my first uh, supporters on the competition on the iTunes rating. So uh-huh. uh, best tower, best tower, true critic and QR code. Uh, and give me the Bauer. This one's for you guys. So okay. thanks for your initial support. Admit it. How many of them are you? Zero are mine, <laughs> I swear. I, I wish I would have actually done it. And at one point, I considered making some fake accounts and doing it. Well, it's just honest. because Anshu kept throwing it out there. Uh-huh. I was doing it. So I figured, you know, if I'm going to get the get the green for it, I might as well go for it. But I decided to take the high road and uh, let the listeners speak for themselves. So for anyone who voted for me, appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I get a couple more after this. Well, that that's admirable. I don't remember. I think uh, I think I said this. Oh, you know what? I said this to Anshu because Anshu and I actually recorded a show on Tuesday, but uh, the audio was terrible, and we uh, we decided we couldn't use it. So I think I think we said this during the sh- Tuesday show that like I think we both would have respected you more, and not to say I don't respect you, but would have respected you more if you would have just made a fake account that was something like the username was like. It's definitely not Dan Bauer. That was definitely in consideration in my head. So you guys are we're right on the money there. Don't worry about it. This isn't me. Continue. I vote for Dan. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So we the last part of this ended very abruptly because of uh, some you know real world time constraints, and I don't think Dan would say he's the the football like the football. Uh, genius on this in this website but he is here to uh continue the picks you, you up for this dan absolutely and i will agree with you i'm definitely not a football expert uh, yeah. as a browns fan i'm more the expert on losing football mm-hmm. teams so whatever i pick uh anybody who's putting fake money on it because it's you know not legal to bet just do the opposite of whatever i pick here i we i do not encourage anyone to put money fake or otherwise on anything that comes from this show ever Ever under no circumstances, don't do that. But if you do, it'd be funny if Dan does better than Anshu. So here's what we got left we're at the four o'clock games on Sunday. We have the Dallas Cowboys, who are minus six points, playing the San Francisco 49ers. Who do you like here and why, Dan? Oh, I'll take Dallas in this for sure. Uh, Zeke coming back now with all this 
uh, crazy suspension stuff, which mm-hmm. my guess is we will talk about here soon. We will. Um, you know, I think he goes on a tear, and I'd say Cowboys by at least ten. Okay, you don't you don't need to. So just... put, push that line. Oh, interesting confidence here. I like it. The Seattle Seahawks minus four and a half playing at the New York Giants. Ooh, uh, that's a good line. Um, I will say I will take the Giants on that to cover. Hmm. That is so. I mean, big win. Uh, you know, coming off a big win, Seattle's got to travel. Uh, I'll take. I think Seattle probably wins, mm-hmm. but I'll take the Giants to cover. All right. And how about the Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers? This is actually a pick 'em right now. Ooh. Uh, you said at, it's at Chargers, right? At the Chargers. I mean, that, that big home field advantage of all <laughs> oh, 20,000 yeah. people that are going to be there. Uh, I'll go to the Chargers on that one. Um, I think Melvin Gordon is due for another big game. And as my favorite fantasy player I have on my squad, I will go with him. Well, I'm actually – I don't know if I've ever told you the story. I'm only in one fantasy league this year, and uh, it is a four-person fantasy league. It is <laughs> it is with my girlfriend, her younger brother, and there is a third team – there is a, a fourth team who we decided – it's always kind of been a theme team in the past because we had – you can't have a three-person fantasy league. It has to be at least four. So we just kind of make up a team. This year, it is the team racist grandparents, and it is a, a team comprised of all white players. Oh, uh, we can talk about it on the side. We have a, a good friend in Chicago who would probably love that uh, that team. So I'm not advocating anything <laughs> for this. I'm just, I just, we're ha- having some fun with the fact that uh, that generation tends to be a little bit, uh, a little bit inherently racist. Right, so no Colin Kaepernick stashed on the bench of that squad. No, absolutely not. I will tell you, uh, <laughs> I had uh, two of my best friends growing up, and I, I have nothing but the the utmost of respect for my grandfather. He was a, he was an absolutely great man, and one of my favorite people who ever lived. I passed away three, four years ago now. But um, two of my best friends growing up were were African American. And these are people what he'd known forever, and he'd seen f- grow up, and knew were were good people. One of them is quite honestly the whitest person I've ever known in my life. And uh, and one day they were leaving the house, and he told me, with absolute straight face, completely seriously, that when, before I let them leave the house, I should check their pockets. Wow, are we going to edit this? segment out oh no absolutely not because okay. this, this is not these are not our thoughts this is just this right. is the the thoughts of another generation and it was a, it was a naive generation all right welcome to late friday nights with the underdog yeah that's I mean, true we, this is a very interesting segment. podcast it goes very differently all right uh but yes all right so so there is a theme team and they're actually i think they have two wins this year they have two wins doing pretty well I'll tell you what, we, we did have to change the rules a little bit. We had to go four defensive backs instead of, because we, we do IDP, we do some individual defensive players. Had to go four defensive backs because it's you can't find white cornerbacks. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you guys are the only four-person individual <laughs> defensive player fantasy league in the entire world. 
that can't be true. If you're listening to this and you were part of a four-person fantasy league using IDP rules, let us know that that we are not the only crazy people in the world. That's because, you know, some people are more interested in defense. I won't mention their names, but I'm in a relationship with her, and that sort of forced my hand. Can you include links on iTunes comments? If any challenge to the listeners out there, you can find a four-person IDP league Send us the link in the iTunes comments, uh, and we'll give a uh, we'll give you a T-shirt one day when we actually start printing. Yeah, it'll be sweet T-shirts too. Our logo, our logo yeah. really lends itself to a T-shirt. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean you can't hyperlink, but there's no reason that they can't include the the native URL. Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Get it done. Yeah. That's what like, we're saying. Get it done. I want to say. What do you think? What is what's your bet as a uh, as a as an educated man, Daniel, what is your bet? Do we do we see any links from four person IDP? Links? Zero chance. Zero chance. Zero is not fair, but uh, but I, I agree with you that the the odds are slim. All right, last game we have, last Sunday game is the Atlanta Falcons at the New England Patriots, and the Patriots are giving three points. Uh, I think this is one of those bounce back games for the Patriots just mm-hmm. go on a tear. So I'll go Patriots because uh, I just don't think no matter who they play this week, I think they're they're going to destroy somebody. Okay. And the Falcons have also been a little bit uh, up and down this season. And Julio Jones has been borderline terrible. So I think I actually benched him this week in my four-person fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should have a plethora of receivers to choose from. Oh, it's unbelievable. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. There are superstars on the waiver wire at every position. Right. Consider the league we're in of 12-team, 2QB league where you're just scraping for like on a bye week of, all right, who's most likely to get injured? I will take their backup (laughs) and hope that that works out for me. Well, see, I would be more interested in that. I, it, this is not an inherently interesting league, and it also takes a lot of the uh, a lot of the skill out of it because mm-hmm. you don't really have to draft a good team because you can just pick up free agent after free agent that is, you know, this year's NFL superstar. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had a we had a cut JJ Watt for the the racist grandparents team, and I, <laughs> and I think there was like another top ten defensive end available. So it's not like it, it is not scraping in the bottom of the barrel, as it were. It, right. Yeah, I, I've been pushing for a bigger league, but it, it's been difficult. Anyway, Monday night, October twenty third, eight thirty p.m. Eastern time, five thirty here on the West Coast. The Washington Redskins are going to take on the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. Eagles giving five points. If I don't pick the Eagles, do I just not get invited back on a podcast ever again? I mean, that's a risk you're going to have to take. <laughs> All right. Well, then in that case, I'm going to go with the Eagles. No, I want your uh, honest. I want yeah. your honest opinion here. No, I, w- I would take the Eagles. You know, they just look so good. Uh, you know, as much as I, as a Browns fan, didn't mm. like Carson Wentz coming out of the draft and didn't want us to draft him, he's making us look. We're so much about that decision by the day, and that defense is just absolutely lights out. So mm-hmm. I'll take Eagles. Yeah, I'm excited about where this team's going to go, but it's also like I don't know. I feel like I've been burned before. I know that's certainly a feeling you can understand. And uh, right. I was I was telling one of my friends the other day that I 
like we're going to be nine and one or something like that, or we rather we could be nine and one. And I would still be wondering whether or not this team's good and still waiting for them to fall apart. You just have like flashbacks to Donovan McNabb and Andy Reid, and you just like start convulsing. Yeah, Donovan throwing up in the in the Super Bowl stuff like that. Fun times, fun, <laughs> fun times. To just Bowl? randomly walking out and holding an impromptu press conference in his driveway while doing sit ups. Like, the kind of stuff oh, you can't write. The good old days of the NFL, and T.O.'s doing sit-ups, and Randy Moss is out there pulling his fake pants down. Yeah, no, the NFL is still fun. If that stuff happened on that, that ESPN show Playmakers, that it would be reason for, like, for the NFL to distance themselves from it because it was too unbelievable. And yet, <laughs> here we are. All right, so we have uh, five of your picks. We have, let's see... One, two, three, four, five, nine of Anshu's, and uh, it'll be fun. Let's let's see who gets the better percentage, uh, the better percentage here in week seven. And I don't know, maybe that person will do picks for on the show next week. I like this idea. I do too. Let's let's get as many people involved as we can. It, it could just be a show. If it could just be a show that Anshu and I do, but we will like awkwardly and i will make a giant deal out of the fact that that anshu was not the one who uh who won if that were the case and we'll, we'll, we'll cut to you <laughs> doing picks put anshu on the I'll bench <laughs> all right uh so we actually our uh, our listeners here know that we uh, we alluded to you earlier on the show uh in in regards to the ezekiel elliott situation this this mm-hmm. legal brouhaha that's developing between the nfl and uh, the nfl pa and there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There was a, the federal courts overturned the district court's de- decision, uh, which meant the 22-year-old running back was still suspended. And then day, you know, days later, a, another U.S. district judge granted a temporary restraining order to Elliott, which means he can play again. Now they have this next hearing scheduled uh, for as early as possible in the week, it's currently scheduled for October 30th, but the NFL is trying to push that up so that uh, he, it can be heard, and if it's heard in their favor, that he would be suspended next week. Neither party seems interested in any sort of deal here. I think the NFL is a little bit just a little too angry at Elliot to even consider it, and Elliot's side, for whatever reason, believes that they are in completely in the right, and uh, I don't know. You are our, our resident legal expert here, Daniel. What do you make of this? And like, what? How long can this go? How how long can Elliot just keep pushing this off further and further by stepping up to the next court? Um, well, I believe this is his last shot to really extend this thing um, because he has no other options of anywhere else to file a TRO, temporary restraining order. Um, in federal court, you know, uh, to simplify the rules as much as possible, mm-hmm. you know, he has a right to file uh, his legal claim either, you know, his place of residency, Texas, which he's done, uh, or the NFL headquarters corporate residency, which uh, is obviously New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of out of options if it doesn't get granted in New York, uh, unless. Unless they're, I believe the NFL is incorporated in New York, and I know their offices are there. Assuming they're not incorporated in Delaware, then he technically has a shot to go to Delaware, but I don't think they are. Um, assuming it's all in New York, he's out of options after this. And 
you know, to be fair, settlement is probably the best option, but like you alluded to, I don't think either side really wants to. And mm-hmm. to be fair, if you're, if you're the NFL, this is now in the court that you won the Brady uh, deflate gate case on. So if you're the NFL, you're pretty confident that there's already uh, precedent there for you to, to win. You already know you have a fair, you know, some favorable judges there. So if you're the NFL, you can kind of take a hard line on this. If you're Ezekiel Elliott's lawyers, uh, you know, you were kind of hoping for a settlement. And I think which is why you heard them say, you know, we're considering our legal options, uh, which is, you know, lawyers speak for we're pretty screwed and, yeah. and we're going to cross our fingers here. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll play the next two. I don't think the NFL really has a shot to move up the – uh, the TRO hearing date, you know, you, you get 14 days uh, unless you can prove that you're going to be irreparably harmed mm-hmm. by letting, if he plays, like, I don't think there's really an argument that the NFL is going to be irreparably harmed if he plays, uh, you know, either this Sunday or next Sunday. So uh, it'll probably stand at the date it is. Um, and then they will likely rule in the NFL's favor. Uh, and then he's going to be suspended. Uh, you know, he can, then try to file, you know, the the actual injunction and let that work its way through the process. But by the time that makes its way through a, a federal court system, you're going to be looking at, uh, you know, the off season. So, mm-hmm. um, I think he plays the next two games, and then I think you probably don't see him play again, um, you know, for five after that, which would put it at what week? I think it would be 12? six six after that, right? Well, he already served one game, right? I don't think five. so. I don't think so. Uh, oh, I thought he served one already. I but think it he, also he could missed be because it. it's thirty on the East Coast. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't believe so, but you might be right. And it's nine thirty yeah. here on the West Coast, and <laughs> I've been up since uh, a very early hour in the morning. So, yeah. so either way, it won't be. You know, he'll play the next two games, and then he's not going to play again for five or six weeks, depending on whether we actually remember whether he served one or not yet off of it. So, um, you know, he'll be back for the playoffs, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's going to have to sit out, Uh, you know, the, the standard for overruling an arbitration decision is, uh, essentially it, it has to be the product of fraud, corruption, or some other kind of serious misconduct. And as much as people want to like joke that, okay, you know, the NFL is fraudulent, corrupt, and, um, is full of misconduct, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not so much in the legal sense, you know, just because you hate the system. Uh, unfortunately, the NFLPA signed a collective bargaining agreement, and those are the rules you agree to. So you can't go back after the fact and argue that, uh, I mean, you can try to argue it, but it's right. not a good legal argument that you, you know, you agree to this, you know, you bound okay. by the terms of your your contract. I have two questions that, that may have maybe naive here from uh a legal perspective, but I'm curious about them. One, would he have any argument at all that that this was agreed to before he entered the NFL, so that he didn't, you know, he wasn't really a part of the NFLPA when this decision was made on his behalf? Uh, definitely an argument that I would make if I was them. Uh, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's gonna stand. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a good. I mean, it's one of those things you're going to try to throw every claim you can and hope it sticks. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe that that argument's been tried before 
in some of the like college uh, cases, right? I definitely know that that argument's been used before in some of this stuff, and I don't think it's ever worked. Um, so it's an argument, but I think it's a losing argument. Fair enough. And the other one is, you know, we heard a lot of talk of Tom Brady potentially taking his suspension all the way up to the Supreme Court. What would have to happen for Elliot to take that next step and pursue the Supreme Court? There would have to be um, – it, it would almost be not that it's legally impossible, but if the – it wouldn't really make sense to happen because they would have to rule in his favor, and then you'd have conflicting opinions okay. in the circuit court. Uh, and if they had conflicting opinions, why would you appeal it? Because then you won. Right, so okay. It's so- not getting to the Supreme Court – at this point, well, I guess you could argue like, if you won. Yeah, again, same thing. If you won in New York, you could argue that there is a, a circuit split between, you know, the circuit that covers New York courts and Texas courts. But mm-hmm. then you won. So why would you appeal after you won? You know, the right. Supreme Court is only going to hear cases uh, essentially that there's a split in federal uh, appellate circuits okay. um, or some kind of major violation of a state Supreme court decision, which you don't have either. You wouldn't have either of those things in this scenario in which you would need to appeal. So okay. it's not going to the Supreme court. Yeah. I wasn't sure what the criteria was in order to get to the Supreme court. So that was very well answered. Uh, and I can absolutely attest to the fact that the New York, the NFL PA or the NFL offices are in New York as uh, some, I don't know, 10 years ago, I received a sweet cease and desist letter from them uh, <laughs> suggesting that I should never use any of their copywritten material ever again, including logos and all of that fun stuff. So Yeah, they're pretty good at that, which yeah. we've discussed this multiple times. Yeah, that came from New York. I uh, I wish I would have kept <laughs> that. that. That honestly would have been a really fun keepsake. I don't know why I didn't frame it. I think that would be yeah, pretty cool to have. All right. Yeah, I tried to look, I'm trying to look it up real quick of where they're actually incorporated, but our listeners probably do not care. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think a lot of what was said is is very interesting stuff because I don't think the novice has any idea what's actually going on here. God knows, I have no idea what's actually going on here with the Ezekiel Elliott stuff in terms of the legal system. So, I think that's a lot of good information. Um, let's uh, let's turn our attention to something a little bit more fun though, and let's talk let's talk a some baseball playoffs, Dan Bauer. This is uh, this has been interesting. Uh, first of all, let me ask you this. So, the NL the NLCS has been decided. The NL the ALCS is now heading to Game Seven after the after the Astros beat the uh, New York Giants tonight. Uh, sorry, I'm very very tired. Um, after yeah, the Astros they, beat they the Giants, the, they played the Yankees, not the Giants. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been an interesting game, but uh, and honestly, the Astros should have beat the New York Football Giants in a in a game of baseball. But uh, yeah, the Astros beat the Yankees seven to one tonight. Series now three three, headed to the deciding game seven uh, in a couple of days. From everything we have right now, what surprises you the most? Is it the Dodgers winning as easily as they did? Is it the Yankees being here at all? What's uh, what surprised you? I don't think it's 
either of those things, to be okay. fair. Um, I I had said early on uh, on one of our other podcasts when we did our baseball preview mm-hmm. uh, that I thought the Yankees were going to be better than expected. Um, I just I think the biggest surprising thing is how how good they are and how fast they all grew up. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a young team outside of uh, age old Todd Frazier, um, but you know, most of your key contributors are all you know twenty five, twenty six or mm-hmm. under. Um, and so they grew up and they grew up fast. And so I think your, your biggest thing is just, they seem to be rising to the moment, you know, guys like judge who really struggled against the Indians, you know, set the record for most strikeouts in a postseason series, mm. uh, and now has three bombs in the ALCS. So you have these young guys really stepping up, uh, and really playing above, um, you know, him, Didi. You know, guys who, you know, you knew were going to be major players for the Yankees and major contributors someday, and that day is now today. So I think that's your your biggest surprise. I didn't think that they would still be here. I didn't think they'd go to the game seven. And mm-hmm. at this point, I th- I think they're winning. Uh, I think they're going to win game seven at this point. And you know, you're going to have a Yankees Dodgers World Series, and you know as much as people want to argue conspiracy, it's good for the game. I mean, you have the two biggest markets and uh, two biggest media markets there are, um, you know, playing in a world series. So it'll be a fun one. Uh, They're both fun teams. They're both, you know, young teams with some flair. Uh, I can't wait to watch uh, Puig just running around, licking bats, having his tongue hang out everywhere uh, in the middle of the Bronx Zoo. So that'll be a fun one. Yeah, I can't believe that the Yankees are where they are right now. It's honestly crazy. I was talking to one of our great baseball writers, Chase Madursky, prior to the season starting. And Chase and I were kind of commiserating uh, about the state of our franchises at that point. Because this, this is not what we expected from the Yankees this season. I don't think anyone expected, oh, this is a team that's going to go to the World Series. I know Chase, who is pretty pretty realistic about his team's chances, thought, oh, you know, a lot of young talent, but probably one of the top five worst teams in the league this year. And sort of looking forward to a time where they can make a play for a Bryce Harper or someone like that in free agency in a couple of years. How how did this happen? I mean, I know Aaron Judge had this prolific rookie season, but how did this happen? How are they here right now? Well, they've had just such a great farm system for the past couple of years, and I think they've been almost overshadowed by all the things that the White Sox have done mm-hmm. in the past year or two. And for some reason, that's all, I mean, to be fair, we've talked about it and we've, you know, between me, you and Anchu and, you know, other people have written about it of just how great that White Sox system is. And I think it got over the Yankees system got overshadowed and it was just as good, you know, that entire time they were adding, they were, adding players, developing players, and uh, for whatever reason, just the hype uh, was not there. Um, I don't know if it was just Yankees fans not being used to having to brag about their farm system. Mm, um, right. You know, instead of just bragging about the number of World Series rings they have. Yeah. So somehow it almost went under the radar, really. And, you know, for the more casual baseball fan, you might have heard about all the stuff the White Sox were doing, but for whatever reason, the Yankees uh, kept on their wraps or just didn't get talked about, um, you know, in a New York media market that to be fair, has a lot to talk about, uh, you know, doesn't need to talk about minor league systems as much 
uh, as some smaller market teams do. So I think you can attribute it to that. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting that we kind of just forgot about some of these players and how good some of these young players are, too. After what uh, after what Gary Sanchez did at the end of last season, when he was just basically last year's Aaron Judge, albeit in a considerably smaller sample size at the end of the year, we just kind of forgot about him. And he just kind of became a guy. And, you know, this is this is what a, a like 23, 24 year old. 24 year old i think putting up you know 280 with a 345 obp and 33 home runs and 90 rbis this is one of the offensive stars at the catcher position in a position where having an offensive player is such a benefit to your team and just aaron judge comes along and it's this is team aaron judge i think we actually forgot like this is a pretty well-built team and some of it, some of it is like guys like Severino turn around after inconsistent seasons, and become the players we expect them to. But I, I just don't understand how a team that had this much talent, or at least this much hope for what they're going to be, was completely written off coming into the season. Yeah, uh, it it was a surprise to a lot of people, but you know, I thought they would at least get that wild card spot. But again, uh, you know, no expectation that they would be where they are. And like I said, I think they I think they take Game Seven. Uh, you know, Chapman's on didn't pitch tonight. Uh, you know, the big question now is who goes for the Astros in Game Seven? Do you go with Charlie Morton, who gave up seven in Game Three, and you know, three and two thirds, or do you go with McCullers? Uh, who would, to be fair, be on short rest, but he dominated, uh, I believe it was Tuesday night, um, you know, just one run in game four that he gave up. So uh, you got to think it's McCullers. I mean, he's stepped up all year. And so if you're the Astros, I think you go with him. Um, and, you know, CeCe's just been pitching out of his mind. Mm. Uh, if you can get, if you can get CeCe, if you're the Yankees and you can get CeCe through five or six uh, and you can get Chapman, um, for probably eight and nine at this point. Uh-huh. And you can hopefully, you know, mix and match your bullpen for two innings. Uh, you know, I think you're in a very good spot. So um, I think the Yankees take it. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about these interesting decisions that have to be made by the managers and how maybe maybe a good old Tito played his cards a little bit wrong going into the playoffs. Now, what is your concern at this point if you're if you're the manager of one of these teams? Do you dare think a think ahead about World Series matchups, or does it just have to be? Well, look, we this is the World Series right now because if we don't win, we don't move forward. Yeah, I mean you have you have to go out and win. Uh, you know the Dodgers are going to be well rested. Yeah, uh, there's no there's no point in trying to play you know, trying to play the matchup game for a hypothetical, you know, World Series. And again, you know, we've seen this before with with guys, uh, with teams before of, um, you know, the Orioles was it last year or two years ago. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, we need to save our save our relievers. Um, like, no, you you had to win your wild card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no, um, you know, you saw the backlash on that one. So, no, you got to win game seven. You got to throw your arms. Um, and you just got to cross your fingers that, uh, you know, Kershaw turns into 2016 or 2015, 2014 playoff Kershaw and not 2017 playoff Kershaw. 
Yeah, it's crazy to me that Charlie Morton is a guy who's even be, being considered in this spot <laughs> after, you know, obviously a sort of unceremonious time with the Phillies. I think he pitched one game before getting hurt and he was out for the season. He was kind of a kind of two seasons ago's version of a Clayton or Clay Buckholtz. Uh, it's just it's crazy to me. It's everybody as crazy as as Francona being a genius manager because that is not the Francona we had. Well, no, that's that's a sacred name in Cleveland. Even I'm not, as... I'm not knocking him. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and, and I have, I have, you know, there's Cleveland to Philadelphia has been great for us in the, in terms of Charlie Manuel. We all, you know, everyone adored Charlie Manuel here, but like Tito was not was not this manager when he was in Philadelphia. It's I don't know when the light completely clicked for him, but it tried. It, like I just don't understand it. Everybody. It, People in Cleveland and really baseball in general talk about Frank Hoda and these like godlike statuses and you know future Hall of Fame manager Terry Francona and oh my God when did that happen I I just I've been through like five managers in the last two years with the Phillies yeah your bright spot's coming now you got you're you're close I don't agree with that no no how many how many you you don't think the Phillies are I don't know two three years away. Two, three years away from from what is the question? Like what? Com- what's the compete, bar? Competing, competing for a playoff spot. Oh well, two, three years Not away from com- completing for a playoff. Two, three years away from completing for a playoff spot. Competing for a playoff spot, like underdog after dark. Words are hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. You said that in a very sultry way, though. Oh, well, that's uh, you know what I was going for. You can co- get a hold of us anytime at one nine hundred underdog. <laughs> Does that work? Yes, it does. Uh, no, it won't too many. Uh, UND. Yeah. No, it one works. No, 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 no. Underdog, nope. seven. How is that? Nope. No, it's eight. eight. It's eight. Oh, my That's God, eight. math. <laughs> I was math late, Dan. That's what I want. If we take anything away from this, it's that the math lead, the athletics competitions are complete shams. Yeah, we uh, need we need Anju, the stats nerd, back here to help us uh, count. Yeah, you're not. Letters and words. Oh, so actually, Anshu and I talked about something on Tuesday that uh, we lost in the lost episode. I want to get your take on it because I think this is this is absolutely fascinating. This just radical proposal for uh, expansion and realignment in baseball. Uh, and I guess I want to ask you one question before we get into it. Would how would you classify yourself in terms of being a baseball fan? Would you say you're a purist, or would you say you're more of like a modern day open for anything that's good for the game fan? I would classify myself as a romantic about baseball, so okay. I would I would not I'm not a purist in the in the like I hate Yasiel Puig and uh-huh. every time he brings fun to the game. Right. Uh, but I also you know I love the tradition of it and the um, you know the history of it and uh, so I would consider myself uh, a romantic of about the game. Okay, so I will be interested to get your take on uh, some of these ideas that are thrown out here. Basically, the bullet points, uh, the bullet points are list here would be we would have two expansion teams, probably Portland and Montreal. So we go up mm-hmm. to thirty-two teams. Uh, there's going to be no more American and National League. We're going to be split up into four eight-team divisions, which are all going to be regionally based. So we won't have you know. No longer will Pittsburgh and and uh, the Philadelphia be in different different leagues 
or the New York teams or the uh, the Los Angeles teams. They'll be playing each other, which they should be, so I'm good with that. Um, season shortened from 162 to 156 games. Playoffs expanded to 12 teams, which is going to require you know a ton of play-in games, which could be fun. And uh, what was the other one? And obviously we will have either a universal DH or no DH at all. This is this would be the biggest change, a seismic change to baseball. Easily the biggest change that we've ever seen. And for that reason, it's never going to happen in you know in uh, in full. But what was your take on this when you read this proposal? I absolutely love it all. Wow. Except ex- yeah, except for the expanded playoffs. So okay. I, I my, my favorite part of you know kind of the baseball playoff system is that it truly is it gets you the best teams in every you know there's no like oh we're gonna fluky somebody makes a run really it mm-hmm. doesn't happen in playoff baseball because you have you know your winners of each division and your wild card spots um so you have by far your best teams um you know it, it's just it's a different way to do playoffs to be fair you know if you look at something like uh the nhl which i know uh you guys don't don't love and doesn't get enough play on here but you know, you can get a hot eight seed and a hot mm. goalie, you know, in the NHL playoffs and make a run to the Stanley Cup, which is awesome and makes for a really fun playoffs. But part of what makes baseball playoffs great is that rarely does anyone ever win a World Series and you go, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. Or, right. you know, you have you know, have a team like the Yankees, like, wow, they made a run and they got better than we thought at the start of the year. But no one's sitting here going, the Yankees are not a great baseball team. Mm-hmm. or are not one of the best two teams in the American League or, uh, you know, in all of Major League Baseball. So I do not like expanding. Baseball is such a fluky game. Um, anybody can win a game. Anybody can win two or three in a row, uh, you know, to some extent. And so I think expanding the playoffs in baseball is, you know, you get weird rotation um, matchups and all of sure. a sudden you got aces going against fours and, and all of a sudden you're going to get to a situation where you don't have the best baseball teams uh, mashing up in the playoffs, which I, I don't want. Um, nice. I love the, I love the division realignment. Um, and I think this is a more of a product of being an American league fan. I think it's national league fans that are going to have an issue with this. Cause I feel like national league fans are more like, we love the history. We love our pitchers batting. I can't stand watching interleague baseball and watching pitchers bat. And just like, this is a waste of, you know, a minute of my life watching Mm -hmm. these guys go up there and swing and you get people get hurt and, you know, they get on first and someone's got to run them a jacket out. Like, this is not, give me a DH and let somebody hit. Uh, So I think this is one of those things that most American league fans would think is very cool. Uh, I think most national league fans are going to have an issue with it. Um, of kind of the division realignment, I will be really ticked about it if it's division realignment and all having the pitchers hit. Which, mm-hmm. to be fair, I don't think they would do. I think the no. uh, players' association would have an issue with it because it's you know less uh, additional players that in theory. I mean, obviously you have a limited roster spot, but it's one less position that can you know be involved uh, for right now. Six, you know, fifteen teams. Um, I'm cool with the slightly shortening the season. I mean, I get it. It's a very long season. Um, but I don't know if the owners are going to like that because it takes revenue out of their pocket. So yeah. It's not. It's a it. fairly insubstantial amount of revenue, though. 
Yeah, but I think it'd be fun to like be in a division, you know, switch it up, and all of a sudden we get to play the Pirates and you know the Reds and you know some of the regional stuff. I think could be really fun. Um, you know, I don't like have a big rivalry with the Minnesota Twins or anybody right. who lives in Minnesota. So, but I have plenty of friends, and uh, you know, my brother lives in Pittsburgh, and so like we can go there for games a bunch and. Um, you know, go visit friends in Cincinnati and have fun with that and a little rivalry. So um, I think the division realignment could be very cool. Um, so I would be all for it if we want to go for it. Yeah, I think it makes baseball more interesting in that, like you said, the regional stuff becomes far more engaging. And those are natural rivalries that have just been sort of overlooked because they get placed in different, uh, different uh, leagues. And that's never made sense to me. Absolutely mm-hmm. never made sense to me. I feel like that's a big miss by baseball because that's a way to easily drum up interest in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about it, you know, compare the NFL of some, you know, great rivalries of, um, you know, local regional rivalries, uh, you know, all these just Browns uh-huh. and Steelers to make it easy. Um, but you would then essentially have those, you know, try to develop those in baseball, which will take a while to be fair. Um, but you know, you have, you know, gets more engaging with your friends who, uh, you know, live, you know, are from different parts of the same state you're from or different local yeah. regional areas. And, uh, so I think it could be very fun. I, I think it could be a cool, you know, as the, you know, ever, uh, popular question of how do you get more young people interested in baseball? Um, which is a whole separate podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Could do. Um, but you know, for the time being, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that is the the NFL uh, analogy is an interesting one because it does it has always driven me crazy. You know, we are five hours away from Pittsburgh when uh, when I was in Philadelphia and they're in a completely different conference than us. That doesn't make sense. Like it, That would be so much fun. Those kind of like civil war games. If you know, we were playing the Steelers twice a year because that would be a great rivalry. I know. Maybe proximity-wise, they're a little bit closer to a couple of other teams, but it's crazy that we're not in the same division or even in the same conference as teams that are in the same state as us. Right. Who, who would be your favorite uh, regional rivalry for? Well, I'd be thrilled to get to play the Browns. Just for the record, that would be that would be fun. <laughs> I actually it, that so that's a sort of a that's sort of a double-edged sword for me. Because uh, from a football perspective, that would be great. From a my life being easier perspective, it would be a nightmare. I uh, we opened up, uh, you know, as I've said many times, my girl, my girlfriend, like yourself, is a is a very uh, very ardent Browns fan, and we opened up the season last year uh, playing the Browns, and I honestly said I I'm just viewing this as a preseason game. I hope the Browns win because, like, if the Browns lose, my life is exponentially harder. Right. So I'll take you, you I'll take the loss. Own, yeah, you guys have your own ESPN commercials. Uh, you know, yeah. the the divided household. I would love that. You would probably not, but uh, still, I'm open for it. If anyone from ESPN is <laughs> listening, and I can't imagine you're not. Uh, all right, let's jump back. Let's do this NLDS real quick and uh, NLCS real quick, and then we will. Uh, Talk a little World Series, and we're going to get out of here because this is uh, you know, 45 minutes on top of 45 minutes. It's probably like a two-hour podcast. But <laughs> it's it's the Anshu versus Dan you, show, and uh, right. it's all good. You, you can also just 
split it up into two shows and see see which gets more downloads. The true right. test of. But here's the inherent problem with that is that one of them's going to be the new show and we'll get all of the downloads from the new subscribe from everybody who subscribed. Got it. So I there's no way to make that fair. I, I trust me. That was my first thought when I got a text from you is that we can have a tangible metric right here to determine who uh, who people are more interested in. Yeah. But well, uh, this inc- it encourages the listeners to vote. So, you know, keep voting on iTunes. Let us well, know. And I saw there's first been a half lot. Or second half. Yeah, I saw there, there's been a good amount of engagement. A lot of people, uh, you know, sort of uh, going into Anshu's request of uh, TV shows he should be watching. A lot of talk about West Wing. And uh, I, look, I'm going to say this right now. I've said it to his face, so I don't feel like I'm talking out of school here. I think less of him for not having watched West, West Wing. Yeah, we can do our own special West Wing special episode podcast uh, sometime. We can just talk about our favorite episodes for an hour. Uh, there is. Enough. And on you can't take part. No, well, I think it's funnier if he's on the show. <laughs> and she's kind of sitting in the corner. Right. All right, uh, let's do it. We'll get uh, on the book. And maybe that's even maybe that's even a video podcast, just so people can see the like conf- confounded look <laughs> on Anshi's face anytime anything's talked about. So many great things. Let's uh let's talk Josh Lyman. Let's talk Sam Seaborn. What's going on? Who was your favorite? Who's your favorite character in West Wing? This is a this is a one off question, by the way. We're not going to get into this. Yeah. Um. Well, I as someone who spent uh, a few years of my career working in politics, uh, mm. I had been told multiple times that I was very much a Josh from a uh, a few lovely young ladies. So um, sometimes in a complimentary way, and sometimes not. So you know, take that as you will, listeners. Of whether that was a a compliment or not of uh, me being a lot like Josh Lyman, but um, quick, quick favorite quote. Uh, when president Bartlett tells uh, Josh that you, I want to be the guy and you want to be the guy, the guy counts on mm. one of my favorite West Wing quotes. So listeners, if you have a favorite West Wing quote, throw that on there too. I love that. Our, our iTunes comments are just turning into a, a, like a West Wing <laughs> message board. Like, just go to the West Wing Reddit. I'm sure there's a West there, Wing Reddit. There, there, there is, because I may be a frequenter of the West Wing Reddit. So. Is that true? Is there still is oh, that yeah. an active community? Yeah, it's a good I, one. I'm I'm looking I, at this. Is it just reddit.com backs, uh, backslash r backslash yep. West Wing? You got it. All right, I want to see when the... I, wait, I need to be invited to see this community? To be in this community? That's... No. It's so it's it's got to be it's got to be the URL's got to be a little bit different. I'm gonna, I I just uh, need to maybe see. Maybe it's the it might be the West Wing. It in fact, it in fact, the West Wing. Yeah. Oh, seven hours ago, people talking about Leo's heart attack. That's crazy. Like this oh, show, this show alert. went off the spoiler air. Alert, oh well, yeah. Sorry if anybody hasn't watched West Wing, a character that you don't know, played by an actor that you're not familiar with, may or may not have had a heart attack. But uh, yeah, I can't believe this. This is crazy. Like, why? <laughs> why are people talking about the West Wing some 15 years after it went off the air? God bless. God bless those people. God bless Aaron Sorkin, and God bless uh, Richard Schiff and Dulé Hill and Rob Blow and Martin Sheen and uh, Stocker Channing and uh, who else can we name? Uh, obviously Bradley Whitford and all, all the good folks over there at. Uh, West Wing. I really want to talk about West Wing, but I know we can't. That bothers me. Um, 
All right, and uh, we, focus. We'll do, we'll do an we'll do an episode. Uh, yeah, for, we'll, do a, we'll do a sports slash West Wing episode. Ah, uh, we'll just do a West Wing episode. No need to. Might as well call it what it is. <laughs> anyway, right, let's get to the NLCS. Uh, Dodgers went in. F- oh, Dodgers went in five. How surprising was this? Uh, I don't think that's surprising that they won it. I thought it was at least going to go six. Yeah, um, but um, you know. Credit to Joe Madden for bringing in John Lackey in game two uh, because you want to save your absolutely shut down closer and Wade Davis uh, for the actual save. Um, clearly, maybe was not present for the 2016 World Series where uh, Tito just almost single-handedly managed the Indian Sewer World Series over yeah. Joe Madden. Um, still the craziest thing on the planet that you don't bring Wade Davis in there mm-hmm. to get the out you need in the ninth. So uh, it probably should have gone six if Joe Madden wasn't arguably the world's worst manager from first pitch to final out. Um, well, and I mean, it's, I, also, <laughs> it's also very different if the New York Mets make a slightly different decision with one Justin Turner. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Turner... And the fun part about that, too, is that was the uh, anniversary of, um, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, Uh, the the famous home run, the Gibson home run, the Mm. the limp. Um, It's 1 o'clock in the morning here, so I'm blaming that. (laughs) Um, But uh, whatever your anniversary of that, so – Shout out to a great game and mm-hmm. not shout out to Joe Madden for making another just god-awful managerial decision. Okay, so uh, we know what you think about the what's probably going to happen in the ALCS. The, uh, the NLCS has been decided. What is your updated World Series prediction? Dodgers in seven. Who's your MVP? Uh, I want to go to Turner again, but just I, I I'll go with Kershaw, and I think Kershaw is just absolutely just shut. Go two games, maybe throw a part of Game Seven, um, and just completely redeem the whole playoff Kershaw thing. So I'll go with Kershaw, just absolutely going on a tear, um, and giving up like maybe one run in in his two to three appearances, depending on how, uh, I don't, to be fair, I don't remember off the top of my head how the, uh, rest days line up for him right now, but, um, I'll go, I'll go Kershaw and And, just going on a tear. And when is Seeger back? Uh, that part I don't remember to be honest off the top of my head. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's obviously a pretty big deal for, uh, for that Dodgers offense. Although it's crazy how good some of these other guys have been. Seems like seems like some of these guys are getting better as we get further into the playoffs. And it's crazy because you know God, some of them have played, you know, upwards of hundred and seventy games this year. Oh, absolutely. Um oh Seager expected game one. Oh, oh okay. okay. So okay. Yep. Yeah, I don't going back to what we talked about with the, the realignment and expansion and all of that. I don't mind a shortened season at all. I know people complain a little bit about like, oh, you know, there's an asterisk next to the records right. now because it's not all the same. But, but nothing's right. ever all the same. As the game evolves, it, it it just naturally changes. You can't compare like you know, 
you can't compare Bonds and or uh, McGuire and Sosa to the dead ball era. Like how how do you right. do that? Baseball is always different. So if now if six games less. Who cares? And who's to say that it's really going to affect anything? Because all that does is, is limit the total number of games, but it also gives teams more rest, which you know would theoretically allow players to play more frequently. Yeah, I mean that's actually a good point. You know, to be fair, the shortened season, like you said, you know, is six games, you know, or even or even ten or twelve or fifteen games. How much difference, you know, is that really going to make come playoff time? Um, because to be fair these guys are in such good condition. It's not that like regular season where, you know, unless you're a first or second year player that really gets to you, um, you know, it's guys like Corey Kluber having to throw three yeah. times in the world series. You know, that's what gets to you. I mean, it doesn't matter how many games you played in the world series. You're going to be ready to go. But whether you play 140, 150, 162 uh, during the regular season, you know, you're still going to have guys like Kershaw and Kluber, uh, you know, throwing two to three times in a world series, no matter what. So, you're you know, you're probably not changing the quality of, of of play if you shorten the regular season on that in the playoffs. Yeah, I would have loved to have been a part of that that first group who established the rules of baseball and to hear what the argument was when the first person suggested, Oh, let's play hundred and sixty two games a year. You know, more than twice any other league well, almost more than twice of any other league and basically if you you expound this over the course of a, a full calendar year, you know we're going to play once every two days throughout the entire right. year. Like whose idea was that? How is that? How is that even considered? It's it's crazy to me that the 162 games is played now. I'm going to assume it's like something with the agrarian calendar. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> if anyone knows the answer, put that on our comments too. We're going to have all kinds of comments. Yeah, we need a right. we need a subreddit just to respond to right. the things we ask our listeners to comment to on iTunes. Yeah. We actually do yeah, have a subreddit for the record, although it's really only exists for me uh, for SEO purposes. Well, hey, subscribe to that too, listeners. You can if you'd like to. I don't know that I don't know that anyone ever has. Let's let's uh, <laughs> check let's check out reddit.com backslash r backslash underdog sports little uh shout out shout out there to uh to something that nobody really needs to go to we uh five users are on the underdog sports reddit right now i don't know who you are i don't know how you ended up there god bless you and honestly i i I feel bad for you what are you doing on our subreddit right now yeah go, go get a beer go get a beer go to bed yeah. There's a lot of better options, but uh, this this article is not helpful. Of why do you play 162 games? That says it's mostly based on how many times you have to play each team. Well, that's that is very arbitrary. Yeah, that is incredibly <laughs> arbitrary. Right. Yes. Uh, so I don't think we've we've cracked that riddle just yet. Maybe next time, mm. maybe we'll get to that on the West Wing podcast. Who knows? Do do we need to force Andrew to watch some West Wing, or is it? You know, does does his uh, his not watching it up to this point just exclude him from getting to talk about it? No, I think uh, we should just continue to shame him into it, and uh, eventually, I've been I've been trying to get him to watch West Wing for at least like four or five years. So one of these days, he is going to crack and watch it. So 
Yeah, Listeners, he, keep giving him grief for it. Maybe he claims to be an Aaron Sorkin fan, and yet, from what I can see, he's never seen anything Aaron Sorkin's ever done. Oh, yeah, because you guys are talking about it. Like, he had not seen Sports Night, not seen... Studio uh, 60. I think he might have watched the newsroom. That might have been the only Newsroom's, one. Newsroom was great for a season. Right. That second season was terrible. Third season was good again. That second yeah, season but was it was awesome. also like four episodes that third season. Five episodes. Yeah, it, it might have been. That, I think that it, second I, season, Maggie oh, cut God, her hair. So like, bad. That, that was that was bad. It's just so bad. But the first season, that show opened as well as any show has ever opened before with the, you know, why is America the greatest country in the world? Right. Yeah, that was classic Sorkin. And then somewhere along the way, like Sorkin got drunk and broke season two. Uh, season uh, season three was six episodes, so it was a little bit longer than I thought. But uh, yeah, yeah that well, was a good ne- one, fortunately, we never got to the point in newsroom where we did in West Wing again. <laughs> First of all, if you're hanging in there for what is going to be just over just the beginning of the third hour of this podcast, now we've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've we got two in the books. If you're still hanging out, I mean, God bless. Honestly, let me know who you are. And we will add you to that list of eventual T-shirts, but uh, it never newsroom never got to the point where when Sorkin left West Wing, you know CJ somehow becomes press secretary and, or somehow becomes chief of staff and just ridiculous things that would never happen in the real world actually uh, happen on West Wing. Yeah, you kind of have to suspend it, but I will give I do like the kind of campaign story of season six and seven, so it redeems was- itself. The that campaign's a good storyline. The uh, the official side of it all in the White House, not quite as good. Yeah, it was fun, except for, I mean, you sort of knew who won immediately, if uh, if you're paying any attention at all. Because, I mean, one, Josh is backing one of the candidates. And two... You, uh, you with the spoilers today. I mean, like I said, we are at the beginning of hour three of the podcast. So I will I will put up a, a, a warning that there may be super, <laughs> super, like... In yeah, inside West Wing spoilers, but and at what point is it not a spoiler? It, the show went off the air fifteen years ago. Like, what's the statute of limitations for that? Uh, I don't know, but I think if I was, I think if I was president, I'd make it mandatory to watch the West Wing, though. So there would be no statute of limitations because you'd just be obligated to watch it. Well, I don't think our current president's going to make that decision. But uh, that uh, I would, would bet he did not watch West Wing. No, he's not familiar with it, and and thinks, he, <laughs> but but he has a strong opinion on it nonetheless, and I uh, think sure. thinks it's kind of stupid, and also that 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 CJ's it. No, I'm not gonna. That's <laughs> it's just, this is going in a bad direction. So with that said, uh, this has been Underdog After Dark. It's uh, it's almost one fifteen on the East Coast, and uh, it's been fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming to talk for a little while, and and you want to make an argument for why people should vote for you over Anju. Uh, I think the simple fact that I'm an avid West Wing watcher um, should be point number one. And point number two is that uh, I stayed up until uh, one fifteen on a Friday, opted not to go out, uh, and uh, recorded a podcast for all my great fans out there. So keep it up, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm assuming you're probably now doing it Monday morning or <laughs> Sunday morning. But thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening, all of you, and uh, Anshu and I will be back here next Wednesday. We'll see you then.